Our lesson for this week is Paul's ministry at Melita and Rome. Bible texts are taken from Acts 27 verses 1 to 44 and Acts 28 verses 1 to 31. Memory verse, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering in doctrine, 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. Notes Troubled Waters the events of Paul's voyage to Melita and its subsequent ending by shipwreck is a story with a potent lesson. It is extremely dangerous to ignore the counsel of God. The centurion who had the custody of Paul was advised by him that their journey would be hazardous if undertaken at that time. Paul was in touch with the Lord, and his advice was of such quality that it deserved mature consideration. However, the centurion chose to listen to the shipmaster, and they set sail. Nevertheless, the ending of their journey proved the correctness of Paul's predictions. It was only the presence of Paul on board the ill-fated ship that caused the Lord to save the lives of all those on board. Because of a few righteous, God will oftentimes spare the while, as God promised in the case of Abraham's pleading with God for his nephew Lot. Read, Genesis 18 verses 20-32. Because it was the will of God that Paul should stand before Caesar and kings, God spared his life. Because of Paul's fasting and prayer for the safety of the lives of those who sailed with him, the Lord spared their lives, and not one was lost. How much the world has been spared from harm and injury because of God's people in their midst and their intercessory prayers, God alone knows. Again, only God knows how many unwary people have been spared from certain death because of the importunity of some Christians' prayers. This truth is brought out in a similar manner by the prophet Isaiah when he said, Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one saith, Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servants' sakes, that I may not destroy them all, Isaiah 65 verse 8. The argument can be raised that if it was God's will for Paul to be brought to Rome, and he is the master of the elements, why did he let the storms wreck Paul's ship in the first place? The scripture answers such arguments thus, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Romans 11 verses 33-34 The centurion had been advised by Paul, who had been warned of the Lord not to undertake the voyage. The voyage was undertaken anyway, yet God's mercy, which is from everlasting to everlasting, was extended to them and they escaped with their lives. After their experience, all on board were undoubtedly convinced of God's saving grace. As a secondary result, the residents of Melita received the gospel from Paul and their sick were healed, which probably would not have been accomplished had not Paul been shipwrecked upon their island. Once again the scripture bears proof that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8 verse 28. 
When a man is doing the will of God so much as leth in him, God's protection is invoked in his behalf. Shipwreck and all its hazards did not harm Paul, neither did a viper, suddenly fastening itself upon Paul, do him any harm. It was not because Paul had any great power within himself to counteract the serpent's poisons, but because God's omnipotent power was able to nullify any ill effects. Jesus had promised, They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, Mark 16 verse 18. What God has promised, God will perform. There are those who have twisted this passage of Scripture to mean that they can take up deadly serpents at their own will and that God is honor-bound not to let them be injured. Some such snake handlers have died from snake bites for their rash presuming on God's mercy and they're twisting the true meaning of God's word into something else. The Lord protected Paul as he has and will again protect any of his own who are accidentally bitten by a serpent or who accidentally drink a poisonous substance. Satan tempted Christ by quoting the scripture passage to him regarding the charge, which God gave the angels concerning him, that they would bear him up in their hands lest at any time he should dash his foot against a stone. Satan fought to tempt Christ into throwing himself off a pinnacle of the temple to prove that the angels would indeed pick him up before he was injured, and thereby prove he was the Son of God. Anyone who misapplies the scripture in order to carry on some fanatical procedure is tempting God rather than invoking divine protection in his own behalf. Read Matthew 4 verses 5 to 7. On to Rome. Paul's journey from Melita to Rome was uneventful, and they met brethren on the way who gave courage to Paul. After arriving at Rome, Paul was permitted to dwell in his own hired house for two years. Although he was guarded continually by a centurion and apparently wore a chain, or was chained to the centurion, he was given freedom to receive any and all visitors he chose. Furthermore, his freedom was not restricted in publishing the gospel. Imprisonment, instead of being a great hindrance to Paul, only helped to intensify the preaching of the gospel in Rome and surrounding areas. His house became the headquarters of much activity. It was from there that he wrote his epistles to the Ephesians, the Philippians, and to Philemon. Paul wrote that he was an ambassador in bonds and so he was, both spiritually and physically. He was in bonds of love to his Lord, and he was in physical bonds because of his love and service for his Lord. See Ephesians 6 verse 20. With perfect faith in God's working in his life, Paul accepted his imprisonment as being within God's guiding providence for him, and wrote to the church at Philippi. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace, and in all other places, Philippians 1.12 and 13. Paul could see that God was being glorified by his imprisonment. Many who would not have known of the Lord were seeing at first hand the workings of the Lord, were meeting and seeing the men with whom Paul daily met.
Those in the palace were daily confronted with godly faith in contrast to the rich, sinful, idolatrous ways of pagan Rome and the degenerate practices of the Caesars. Christ was preached in the face of sin and successfully preached to the salvation of men's souls. Paul was a prisoner of Rome, yet God was able to make the mighty Roman Empire bow to his will and let Paul preach the gospel successfully in the palace of the Caesars. See Philippians 4.22. Paul, meditating upon the workings of God, continued to write in encouragement, Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of good will, the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yeah, and will rejoice. Philippians 1.14-18 Paul set the example of fortitude in the face of imprisonment and retained an enthusiasm and faith in God, which stirred many more to arise to the challenge of the gospel. Let modern-day Christians be as bold in their faith as were the apostles of old, who feared neither men nor devils who opposed them and longed only for the approval and commendation of their Lord for their reward. How fitting are the closing words of the book of Acts. The writer speaks of the prisoner Paul as preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence, no man forbidding him, Acts 28 verse 31.